reading this morning is from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. Jesus has risen. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might all go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Amen. When Jesus rose from the dead, it changed everything. And those people that had been there, um, his followers, they had been hiding away. They were terrified that they would also be caught and punished. And, and yet, something happened. Something changed. Those of us who claim to follow Jesus, sometimes we make excuses for, for finding ways to avoid that very thing. We, we do the whole, oh well, I don't know enough of the Bible. What if somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer? Oh, imagine. Oh, I don't really have much talent. Or, well, I still lose my temper. <laughs> As if, you know. Occasionally I have my doubts. Really? Oh, well, do you know, I've, I've really kind of messed up. Really? That's your excuse? If you've ever felt like that, then you are in good company. Gideon was hiding from the Midianites when the Lord called him. The angel appeared and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So what I'd like you to do is turn to somebody next to you and go, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Right, come on. That was a bit... <laughs> really... No one is with you, mighty warrior. I get it. Okay, we're Presbyterian. I understand that. But, but you get the point. He was hiding. He was terrified. And the angel had to come and say, Gideon, actually, when I'm with you, when God is with you, you can do amazing things. The Lord, it says, turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have. Not in anything else. Don't go to the gym for three months and bulk up. No, no, none of that stuff. Go in what you have. Use what you know. And just go. I'm not sending you, he said. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Excuses, excuses. He's really saying, why would God use somebody like me? Well, I want to look at the kind of people that God uses just very quickly. First of all, God uses the insecure. Here's Moses. And he's gone and he's seen this bush that seems to be on fire, but it's not burning. And God is there. And God says, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to rescue my people. Wow, wouldn't that be good? And what, is, what does he say? He says, oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. He went through all the excuses. Don't send me, I've got a brother. He's quite good, send him. Oh no, I can't speak. Do you know, he does all that stuff. 
not an outgoing person. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm terrified of crowds. I don't have a lot of self-confidence. Fab. Do you know, not having a lot of self-confidence, that's a good thing, actually, when it comes to God. (laughs) Not confident in yourself. That's exactly the kind of buddy that God is looking for. Because you can be confident in him. I remember once I went to, when we were in in the church in Newton Mayors, they started an outreach in a local kind of sports centre, healthy place. And um, I went the first night. And as I walked in, this lady that I knew, some of you who have been to the afternoon fellowship will will remember um, when she came to speak. And she she just put a little little dot, a coloured dot on my jumper. I thought, hang on, what's that? And she said, well, you'll just pray with people at the end. Well, right, good, good, okay. Pray with people at the end, okay, fine. Eh? So I sat through the whole thing thinking, what on earth am I going to do? I've never done this before, I've no idea what, what am I going to do. And uh, I was paired up with a, another lady who said to me, I hope you've done this before, because I haven't. <laughs> I went, oh no. <laughs> well, we were so delighted because nobody came to us asking for prayer. We thought we'd got away with it. Right? And then what happened was, just as we were thinking, super duper, we can go now, this lady hobbled in on sticks with two friends. Oh no. And we looked at each other. I thought, this is it. What are we, we going to do? How are we going to do this? Well, what do you do? And really, honestly, what do you do? Somebody says, well, you pray for my feet. You go, all right, I'll pray for your feet. I had no idea. I had, there, there's no magic formula. There's no set form of words. There's none of that. We just, we, I mean, I went first and I prayed, pray for the feet. Amen. I mean, that's what it seemed like. I, I probably said a bit more than that, but that, to me, that's what it seemed like. And this lady I was with, she did the same kind of thing, only she, she actually put her hands on the feet, which seemed to me to be quite good, but inappropriate for me. So she put her hands on the feet. I just prayed for the feet. I said, how are your feet? I said, actually, they feel a bit better. Oh. I don't know why I was surprised, actually. But anyway, I was very surprised. So then, I said, well, I'll tell you what. We'll just have another go. So we prayed again for the feet, both of us. And the woman walked out. Quite the thing. And I was... I mean, I was flabbergasted, to be quite honest, because I had never experienced that before. Now, I know it was nothing to do with me. I had, I had zero in the faith tank. Right? I had no experience, no nothing, and yet God chose to act. The Lord then says to Moses, who gave man his mouth? Is it not I, the Lord, now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. So when you give your excuse to God, he goes, aye, okay. But here's, here's the real story. God knew what he was doing when he made you and me. Two, God uses the unlikely. I heard a wee uh, quote, if you're the smartest, funniest, most talented, best athlete, God can still use you. 
God uses ordinary people. God specializes in using people that other people overlook. God sent Samuel to anoint the future king of Israel. And Samuel went to Jesse's house, and there were a couple of just really impressive prospects. Older, handsome, strong, mature, just great. It says in 1 Samuel, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel was looking for the obvious, the big, biggest, strongest, most, uh, most rugged guy to lead. But God chose the youngest in the family, the shepherd boy. And then God uses the broken. Any of the disciples thought that they were ready to be used. But Peter, he was, he was convinced. Peter was the one who said, I've got your back. I'll go anywhere for you. I'll die for you. And Jesus says, do you know, before the cock crows in the morning, you'll have denied me three times. And a little girl approached. Now, give him his due. He was one of the two who followed to see where the soldiers were taking Jesus. He didn't run away the way everybody else did. But this little girl came up and said, you are with Jesus. Not me. Wasn't it me? And again, you, you're one of Jesus. Oh, no, no, don't know what you're talking about. And the last time, he, he, he just said, I don't, I, I've never met the man. I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you picking on me? And, and was it turned into a film, you would have this moment where in the, in the story, we discover that the moment he said that and the cock crowed, Jesus turned in the middle of everything that was going on with Jesus, in the middle of all the, the agony and the pain and everything that was happening, Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter at that moment. Well, can you imagine how he felt? Can you imagine the, the agony that Peter went through, realizing how badly he had messed up? Maybe you're thinking that you've done something that's too bad to be forgiven. Maybe you're thinking that there's, there's something in your life that God, God just would not accept you for. But after the resurrection, one of the stories says to the women, the angel says to the women, go and tell my disciples, and Peter. And in the next few weeks, Peter is one of the people we're going to look at because we're looking at the stories of, of what happened after the resurrection and people that Jesus met and encountered. And, and Peter has this amazing experience of, of being forgiven by Jesus. And guess who was chosen to preach the very first sermon at Pentecost? Peter. insecure, unlikely, and broken. 
Peter was the one. Who can preach forgiveness better than the one who has been forgiven? God loves us in, with all our faults, with all our insecurities, with all the doubts, with all the questions. God loves us because he loves to use people who are broken. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair and he arranged a murder. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was depressed. Joseph was arrogant. Moses had a stutter. Zacchaeus was short. Abraham was old. And Lazarus was, well, dead. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Jesus in John's gospel says this. I think one of my favorite verses. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Who would not want that? Who would not more and better life than you could dream of? Oh, that's what Easter's about. That's what the resurrection is about. That's what Jesus offers to all of us. The resurrection means Jesus is who he claimed to be. The resurrection means Jesus has the power that he claimed to have. The resurrection means that Jesus did what he promised to do. The resurrection means that we no longer have to be afraid. The resurrection matters because my past and your past can be forgiven. The resurrection matters because our present problems can be overcome. The resurrection matters because our future is secure. The resurrection matters because it means that we have the power of God in us. And together with him, we can do amazing things. Amen.